I want to transition our time to God's Word as we start this new series. And it is uh, it's Christmas time, just basically. Is that crazy or what? I don't know about you, but December like got here really fast. And then in a couple weeks, we'll be celebrating uh, uh, Christmas as we remember the birth of Christ. And so we've just finished up our series through the Old Testament books of Esther, Ezra, and Nehemiah. And so we'll jump in to this series um, called The Miracle of Christmas. And this, this Christmas series, over the next several gatherings of our time together, we'll be looking at the miracle and what God did in sending Jesus. And we'll look at various texts in the New Testament. There is this miracle in the message, which we'll look at today in Hebrews a miracle in his method at which he choose, chose, a miracle at the moment, just the right time, Galatians 4.4. 4. And of course, the most profound miracle is a new life and many miracles that occur because of that miracle that we experience in the church. Many in this room have experienced what God has done in restoring and redeeming our hearts by his grace. It's always a miracle, always, when God opens a dead man's eyes to the gospel, when God gives life to a dead man's beating heart spiritually and causes him life. And so I hope this morning to do two things. First, I want to introduce this idea of miracle. We hear it all the time, a lot around Christmas, a Christmas miracle. I want to introduce the idea biblically of what a miracle really is. And, and if they happen, if we should believe them, why we should, what we should think about them. And secondly, I want to make sure that we understand what a miracle it is to truly have what God delivered us, the message today, the message of his son, Jesus, in the way that he did. And then we'll look to Hebrews 1 for that. So I'm going to read the first three verses of the letter of the Hebrews in, in chapter 1 here. This is what it says. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. As always, I ask that you just pray briefly. Just ask God to speak to your hearts through his word this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, for its truth. Thank you for everyone present here that we are here to worship you, to sit under your word, to glean from its teaching. And Father, I pray that you would just be with us now as we, we learn what you have done in communicating this message to us through your son, Jesus, that, in that indeed that is a miracle. And we praise you and thank you and pray that we'd Learn and apply it to our hearts this morning. We pray these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said. Miracles is often a word you hear a lot around Christmas. A Christmas miracle, right? Who doesn't love a great Christmas movie about miracles, right? Uh, miracle on 34th Street, you've seen it in all four or five of its versions. I don't know. But we, we love this idea of Christmas miracles, and it's kind of nostalgic in a way, if you will. But we have entitled this series Miracles because what God has done in Christ is truly a miracle. The way he did it, 
the message that was communicated, the moment in time as, as people from the Old Testament book of Malachi on, there's 400 or so years of waiting for God to deliver the Messiah. And at the right time, God in, intercedes and invades humanity by himself. And only he does that by his power. And that is a miracle. And in a general sense, though, you and I may witness miracles all the time. Maybe there's some of you in this room who say, yeah, I believe miracles happen today. They happen every day. Or some of you may even say in this room, no, I don't really believe in miracles. I don't believe anything happens supernaturally. Things happen only by chance. And maybe some still will say, well, yeah, I believe in miracles, some pretty neat stuff that God can do, but I doubt it happens as much today as we think. And so those are all those different perspectives about what a miracle is. But to understand it better, we need to understand a right biblical perspective on what a miracle is. It's important to bear in mind that the biblical concept of miracles is that of an event that runs counter to the observed process of nature. That word observed is huge. It runs counter to the observed process of nature, not the process of nature. Miracles are not events that run counter to nature. Rather, they run counter to what we observe. You have to know that because that is what known, is known. It's knowledge of nature. Our knowledge of nature is limited. So we don't know everything there is about the process of nature. That includes the sciences and in the medical field. What we need to know and latch on to is God has used miracles in light of our limited knowledge. We don't know everything. There are things that are unknown to man. And so when God intercedes into humanity, we clearly see it because it's a display of his power. You see, biblical miracles have a clear objective. This isn't like, you know, Clarence and getting wings kind of stuff. This is, they are intended to bring the glory and love of God into bold relief. To draw man's attention away from everyday life and direct it to the mighty acts of God. That is what a miracle was in the scriptures and both the Old and New Testament. And that is what it should be today to draw all attention and glory to God about his mighty acts. It's always about God, always bringing glory to him and for his love to be shown through them. And so if you look at the Old Testament, miracles can be viewed as God's direct intervention into human affairs and are unquestionably, unquestionably linked to God's redemptive plan. So if you open up the Old Testament and you look at all the miracles, they always point to God's redemptive plan through humanity. All the miracles that are performed. So think of miracles as God redeeming on a grander scale. All of them he uses for his purpose to reveal his love and show his redemptive work to bring glory to himself. For example, when David stands before Goliath, and you know the story, and he gets five smooth stones, and he knocks down the giant, Goliath, with these tiny little stones, just one, in fact, after all these Philistines were gathered around and all the Israelites, none of them would face him. When he goes and does that, that's a miracle. This tiny little shepherd boy, armorless, and he does that. But who is the hero in the story? Not David, God. God's the hero in that story. Because God ultimately uses that act as a way to thrust David into the kingship, the throne, and then there bring Christ along in that lineage. God, even in that act, we don't really learn about that on the felt board, right? We don't talk about that a lot, that this is about God redeeming mankind through that act. 
through David and Goliath. It's a miracle, and David had a faith that God could do that, but God is the hero of the story because he ultimately used that event to put David in a position of kingship, and then Christ from that line in his lineage, the line of David. And it's a redemptive line that ultimately leads to Jesus and bringing glory to him. Arguably, though, the greatest miracle in the Old Testament by a a biblical example of what we said of of, of the process of nature, this going counter to that, is the parting of the Red Sea to save the children of Israel as they escape the Egyptian. A demonstration of God's power and love and most certainly in his plan to redeem man. There they are on the shores of the Red Sea and they need to escape from the Egyptians. And what does God do? He parts the waters. If you and I saw that kind of act today, we would surely know God, wouldn't we? If he took Rock Lake and he just whoop, went like this and we all walked across it, that runs counter to what we know about nature. That just doesn't do that. It has been said that man does not know the being of God as much as he knows the acts of God. In miracles, we witness the mighty acts of God. So that's the Old Testament. In the New Testament then, miracles continue to show the redemptive work of God. Jesus performed many Ultimately, God showing himself on behalf of man in the coming of Christ into history. And there's this manifestation through Jesus of this power that God uses to restore all creation to proper order, to restore the image of God into its full expression. When Jesus goes, and this is a problem for us today. Jesus goes through the the New Testament and he performs all these miracles in the Gospels. And sometimes we, even with our life with Josiah, we look at that and we saw Jesus heal in the scriptures. Why can't he just heal like that? We believe that he could. And yet God used used Jesus in his life in this way to demonstrate all things redemptive to what God would one day do for all of us. So that doesn't necessarily mean that we don't have enough faith to to believe and trust in Jesus that we could be healed like that. Jesus gave us glimpses when he healed the blind man's eyes, when he restored a leper, when he brought a man from who's paralyzed on a mat that he could walk. He showed us all those things, not so that he would do them throughout our lives today, but to show us what he will fully do when he comes back. He will one day heal, restore all of these things. I'm not saying that he won't do those things now, I'm saying that often we come and say, well, why isn't this happening in my life? Why do I have to struggle in this way? When Jesus performed all those, he showed, gave a little glimpse of, do you know if you trust in me, this is you one day in heaven. Those who cannot walk will walk. Those who cannot talk will talk. Those who cannot see will see. And I get emotional because I have a boy who I know one day will have a new body, a new life. And he might not ever have that on this earth. But one day he will experience the miracle of walking and talking and running and all of those things because of Jesus. Ultimately, we know if the, New Test- if the Old Testament, the greatest miracle is the parting of the Red Sea, the greatest miracle in the New Testament is not the birth of Christ, but the resurrection of Christ. Without that, we have no hope. We have no hope in resurrection In the resurrection of Christ, death is completely destroyed, and that for us is the promise of new life. When we take the whole of Jesus coming to earth, which is what we really truly celebrate at Christmas, we take the whole miracle of what God did to destroy sin and death forever. That's why we celebrate in December. Not just to look at the manger scene, but to look at what God has done in the whole of that 
to destroy sin and death forever. And that for us starts with the incarnation and the birth of Christ, the purpose of his coming. And it's such a great setup for Hebrews 1 as we look to that. If you remember not so long ago, we studied Hebrews 1 or Hebrews, the entire book, as a church family. And in this chapter 1, in these introductory verses, we see this miracle of the message, the way that God communicated through his son. In verse 1, it says this, Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by his prophets, the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. You see, God used to speak through prophets. He did that throughout the Old Testament. Messengers, communicators of God. And many times, in many ways, Moses, he used him to speak to the children of Israel. He did works and wonders and miracles through Moses. He did all those things. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, all of these prophets, Elijah, communicating the message from God and giving it to man. However, all of these prophets were revealing God to their peers were always temporary, partial, fragmentary, preparatory, and incomplete. They always had to have a new prophet. They were always temporary. This is what God is saying, and it was God's word, but it was always temporary, and it was always incomplete. There was something always missing. None of them fully ever revealed God completely to man. And so God spoke through all those at different times in different ways, burning bushes, pillars of cloud, fire, all of those things that he used. But in Jesus, that's different. In Jesus, he speaks decisively, finally, and perfectly. In Christ, he speaks finally, perfectly, and decisively. That is the miracle of Jesus coming at Christmas, that he came as the full revelation of God. That is the miracle of the message of mankind, that Jesus is the final prophet and better prophet. There is no one else that comes after him. That is why we just like shun any religion that says they have a prophet that speaks additional things. There is no prophet after Jesus. There is no one after him. When he came, he fully revealed God. That's why Jesus, and in and, and John 14, Philip is saying, approaching him after Jesus speaks these things, I am the way, the truth, the life. Philip says, can we see God? Can we know God? And Jesus responds, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Uh, that I am the fa- in the Father and the Father is in me. Jesus is saying, if you see me, you see God which is what we celebrate at this church in the gospel, that we have a relationship with God only through Christ. If we know Jesus, we know God. There's no other intermediary there. No other prophet could have made such a claim. In fact, it said that Ezekiel, as a prophet, portrayed the glory of God, but Christ reflected it. It said that Isaiah, the prophet, expounded the nature of God. He talked about it as holy, righteous, and merciful, but Christ manifested those things. It said that Jeremiah described the power of God, but Christ displayed it when you read what he did. Ultimately, what God did in Christ was to fully communicate his message of redemption to us to show our salvation and give us a glimpse, again, back to those miracles, a glimpse of what God can and will do in fully restoring and healing us. You see, we live, this is really about communication, we live in a society that recognizes the necessity of good communication. In a world of commerce, 
millions of dollars are spent in advertising in media to communicate a message. In fact, just yesterday, I don't know why my son looks up certain things, but Jeremiah is saying, do you know how much per second it costs to have a Super Bowl commercial? I don't, son. How much? It's like $60,000. So that's a lot of money per second. It's communication. It's millions of dollars are spent to do that, especially in social media. You know what happens when there's poor communication. Diplomats understand the importance of communication in foreign relations. When you say something bad to another country who has big weapons pointed at you, that's not good. You better clearly communicate. This is like Hunt for Red October, Bay of Pigs stuff. You know, this is important stuff. Diplomats recognize we need to have good communication. And you and I know the family stressors that it puts on in a marriage or in a child-to-parent relationship when you don't communicate clearly. And so ultimately in Christ, God closes the, great, the greatest communication gap of all time that exists between a holy God and sinful mankind. That's what God did in Jesus. He closes this communication gap. Maybe there's things we don't know. In Jesus, he closes that and he makes it very, very clear. You see, Jesus is the word, the logos, the logos. In, in Greek, that is what the word is there. In John 1, we see that it starts by John starts his gospel, right? In the beginning was the Word, the Logos, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This verse uses that Greek word, Logos, which is in Greek philosophy to be understood as a plan, or a reason, or a meaning, or, or all of these things. And obviously, it's referring to Jesus. Jesus is, in the beginning, was Jesus. Jesus was with God. Jesus was God. He's the Logos. He is the Word fully revealed. All of those things. And John is making crystal clear that Jesus is the full communicator, the message of God. And not just a communicator, but the actual message. We have the written word. Jesus himself is the living word, the fulfillment of all of who God is. And verses 2 through 4 in Hebrews 1 validate that God appointed him the heir of all things through whom he created the whole world. If you go back to Genesis 1, you see Jesus is present at creation. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. All things were created through him and for him. He is present there at creation, creating God and his word. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. That is like the light and beauty of God's glory. He reflects it. When you hear about the sports car of Ferrari and you think about it, you probably have this red, I'm guessing, image of this beautiful sports car, and you think about this wonderful machine, but most of us in this room have not driven one or probably maybe even really seen one. But when you see this machine up close, maybe even sit in it in a showroom with all these fancy lights, most people, again, if you don't, I don't like sports cars, most people walk up and just, that is a magnificent machine. That is who Jesus is when he comes into humanity. If people looked and were attracted to him, that he is reflecting the glory of God. This isn't just, I've heard about him. People wanted to go and touch him. They wanted to be near him because he reflected the radiance and the glory of God. The woman, just in the, in the Gospels, just wanted to touch his cloak because he reflected the radiance of God's glory. That is who Jesus is in his beauty. Jesus is also the exact imprint of his nature, it says there. 
He is not a second edition. He is not a replica. You and I have many of those replicas, right? Whether it be a sports jersey or other things like that. He is not some forged piece of art that, you know, forgers in the art world are really good. And sometimes people look at, too, a work of art like the Mona Lisa. Somebody's forged it and they're like, ah, only a professional could tell. He's not like that. He is the exact imprint of his nature. Every detail matching God's. God's nature. Everything we know about God fully revealed in Jesus. Think about this for a second in the Gospels. All that you know is recorded. All the Gospel stories you know about Jesus. And I want you to think about all those things. And I want you to think about the character, the nature of what you know about God. Think about this. His holiness. You say, well, God is a holy God, and we see that with Moses. Jesus comes. He's perfectly holy. He, he is sinless. We know about God's kindness, how even when we go back to Moses, God relented. Moses, you know, spared the people, said, don't wipe them all out, the golden calf incident. Think about Jesus, his kindness. Think about God and his mercy. Jesus demonstrates mercy. God in his grace, Jesus is the embodiment of full grace and truth. Think about God's righteous anger. Many of us see the Old Testament and we say God is an angry God. Look at Jesus flipping stuff in the temple. He displays righteous anger, fully of God's nature. Think about power. We see the parting of the Red Sea and this God of the heavens is parting the Red Sea. Think of Jesus on the boat with the disciples. He speaks a word and the storms calm, the sea calms. Think about judgment. Maybe you say, well, Jesus didn't embody judgment. He said, don't judge. Jesus said, I am the judge. All men will stand before me one day and I will judge. He demonstrates judgment. And think about healing. Jesus goes and the miracles we love in the New Testament Gospels are when he goes and heals. God, ultimately the great healer of all of our diseases, Psalm 103. And all of these things Jesus displays God fully showing himself in humanity. And the miracle in this communication method is that Jesus was the exact nature of God, but he fully experienced humanity. Sometimes we don't think of that often enough. He experienced everything you experience today. When you're sad, he experienced sadness. When you're betrayed, he experienced that. He experienced miscommunication, probably between his disciples and friends. When, when you are tempted to sin, he experienced that. When you are at your lowest moment and weakest moment and desperate, he experienced all of those things, humanly. That's miraculous, his incarnation, that he would be fully God, displaying power, holiness, righteousness, judgment, all of these things, and yet he experienced every human emotion you and I experience. So he knows if that's all you hear today, he knows where you are. And in verse 3, it says he upholds the universe by the power, by the word of his power. Jesus has the power to speak just as God did in the Old Testament, and he spoke just like that, and things happened. But the best part is the end of verse 3. It's what we what we note as the best miracle of all. Remember what Jesus, what I said was the greatest miracle of all time? the resurrection of Christ. It says this, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. After coming to atone for sin, to pay for sin, to fully satisfy the full wrath of God, to pay the debt, to purchase our forgiveness by his blood at the cross, he just sits down at the right hand of God, defeating death permanently. It is finished. Think about that when you think of Christmas. 
We celebrate the manger scene, all of these things, but what Jesus did after making purification for sins, he comes back up to the heaven and he just sits down. Mission accomplished. When we see the baby in the manger, what we see is the miracle of God's message to us in Christ that he has shown himself to us, for us, for hope, shown love, shown his glory, shown redemption. Jesus, the Logos, is the full message of God. He is the very manifestation of the word of God. He and the scriptures are mutually linked together. God's revealed word, which is why you cannot hear God or know God apart from his word. You just can't. The two are necessary for you to hear God speak. That is why the Bible, the scriptures are so important. That's why we say, get this in your heart and in your hands. You cannot just Oh, God and I have a great relationship apart from this book. God's revealed word, Jesus is the living word. You cannot hear God without it, to affirm it. It can't happen. And I know for us, we say, well, like, I, what about this? Like, I experience God and I hear him prompt me. By his spirit, the, the helper Christ left that he promised to his disciples, we can be prompted to obey. God speaks to our hearts, but ultimately we confirm that in his word. Like if God tells you, like many, many Muslims would say, God is commanding me, telling me to go and kill. We would say that doesn't line up with the teachings of Scripture. And we confirm these things, his will, by the word. And so that's why you have to get in it and know it and discern. Otherwise, you and I start hearing messages that aren't from God. We start making them up. We start saying, God spoke to me and this. And other people who are in God's word look at you and go, really? Never heard of that before. It's dangerous. You got to make sure you know who is speaking, and that is Jesus, the Bible, the word of God. Many of us at times experience what we know as a miracle. Perhaps you leave later than you want on a trip, and you miss an interstate pileup, and you say, man, you know those moments where God spared us from this. Maybe God, protection and timing, a miracle perhaps. Maybe you experience healing that it's unexplainable to the doctors. Miracle, perhaps. But we must remember that even doctors don't fully know everything in nature. Maybe you lose your keys and you pray about that and you find them in this busiest of places showing up there. Miracle, maybe. What are the chances? Certainly God can show those little things of himself. But sometimes you and I doubt the power and love of God in its great ways. The greatest miracle of Christ, of Christmas, is Christ himself, God's love and power on display. And sometimes you and I doubt him. You see, Hebrews introduces us to the Christ whose perfect sinless nature is a unique revelation. There's nothing like it. Whose sacrifice alone is effective for our salvation and whose authority in heaven is without rival. It's no wonder that throughout the centuries and even still today, Christ's followers have taken their lips to the confession upon their lips of a transformed doubter released of his cynicism. We declare like the disciple Thomas, my Lord and my God, when we meet the power of Jesus and come into a relationship with him. You see, that's who we are when it comes to miracles. We're often doubters. We're cynics amongst the sinful world a fallen world full of them, and we doubt God's love and goodness. But belief in biblical miracles has always been a central feature of our Christian faith, and it's informed by a revelation of God to man in Scripture about who he is, the mighty acts 
of God recorded there. And the continuing work of the church, even as we brought members up here today, is evidence of the truth of biblical, the biblical concept of miracles, that God is still using people, sinful people, to redeem and to restore. He is the redeemer and sustainer. And that experience alone, when people come to faith in Christ and give themselves to the mission of the gospel, that is a miracle when Jesus changes people's lives. That is a Christmas miracle. In Hebrews 1-2, the Holy Spirit develops and establishes the superiority of Christ over all the Old Testament prophets. In the first one and a half verses, he establishes the preeminence of Christ, and that is exactly what Jewish and Christian believers need to hear. Some of you today perhaps have never met this Jesus, this word, this Logos, Jesus Christ, and you've never met him as your Savior. Maybe you've put your faith in money, popularity, prestige, success, but Jesus Christ is superior to anything and everything. And Peter said, Neither is there salvation for any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no other way to God. There is no other way to hear the message of God. Jesus Christ is superior to any method, religion, philosophy. He's the preeminent one. And unless man puts his faith in Christ Jesus, he is doomed. For it is Christ alone who provides revelation and redemption from God. And that is the miracle. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you that the message of Christmas for us is the delivering this miraculous message in the form of Jesus Christ, fully human yet fully, fully divine. And Father, my, my prayer today is that we would know that Jesus is the Word, the, the manifestation, the living Word. When He came, He spoke not just about You, but He was You. You spoke to us through Him about how we could now have a relationship. We could no longer fulfill the law and Jesus came to satisfy it, to live a perfectly righteous life so that we could look to him as our atoning sacrifice. Father, that he alone at the cross made purification for sins, that that he alone purchased our redemption and forgiveness and made it possible that we could have a relationship with you. And my heart is that everyone in this room would know that. Maybe there are some in this room that do not know Christ as Savior in that way. And today they would hear clearly the message of the gospel, that you desire a relationship with each person in this room, and that relationship is only found through faith in Jesus Christ. I pray that we who know that would know that message, that we would embody that, that we would take that message of hope into the world, that when people look at this holiday of Christmas, they would not see gifts and, and lights and colors and all these feel-good things, but they would know the one true source of all hope and joy, that they would know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Father, that we would be that kind of vehicle towards people to point all things towards Jesus, to say he is the final prophet. All things have, have been spoken through him and for him. All things have been created for him and through him. He is the radiance of God's glory, the imprint of his exact nature, the purifier of sins. And Father, may we take that message of hope to the world. And Father, that you would 
just remind us of how blessed we are this season that you sent us Christ in the way you did. And Father, that you are redeeming hearts in that miraculous, miraculous way when you change someone's heart and bring it towards you. And I pray that you would even do that now, that someone cry out for your forgiveness now, look to Jesus, that they would just by faith trust in him and his grace and goodness. Father, that we would let your power work freely through us by your spirit and declare that you are the majestic God. Father, we glorify you this morning. We praise you. May we sing with our hearts to you that you truly are majestic in all your ways. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said. I want to leave you with this, that we would be a people like Mary when she says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. Have a blessed day. Drive safe and go in peace.